Welcome everyone to the Physio Foundations podcast, the podcast about the foundational knowledge and skills that lie beneath expert clinical practice. I'm your host, Luke Periton, and on this episode of the podcast, we're talking to physiotherapist and former Monash physiotherapy student, Brian Kim, about his perspectives as a new graduate physiotherapist and how he successfully transitioned from his foundational undergraduate training to being an independent and emerging clinician in the physiotherapy world. So I'm going to ask Brian to tell us what he thinks are the most important foundational knowledge and skills that he has learned so far and whether he has any tips for us on specifically for new graduate students um, and new graduate physiotherapists and students who are about to become new graduate clinicians um, who want to build and maintain solid foundations in physiotherapy. It's going to be an interesting episode. Let's get on with it. All right. Welcome, Brian, to the podcast. How are you? Good. Thanks, Luke. Thanks for having me. Excellent. It's really good to have you here, have you on. Um, so you graduated as a physiotherapist at the end of 2020. Correct. And what was the very strange time when we're all um, affected by lockdowns and, um, and all over the world by lockdowns related to coronavirus. But despite all the challenges that were going on, you were one of the our top performing students in the course, in the Bachelor of Physiotherapy course at Monash University. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you on the podcast. There's many other reasons as well, as the listeners are going to find out. Let's start off a bit uh, with a bit about your background. Tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, um, what you did in your training, your current work as a physiotherapist. Sure thing. Uh, so firstly, yes, I did graduate last year, 2020, in that COVID year from Bachelor of Physiotherapy Honours at Monash University. Um, went straight from high school to university, did the four years, did all my placements. I was one of the lucky ones that during COVID, none of my placements were really pushed back. Um, so that all worked out well. I juggled a lot of clinical placements and uni work with both teaching and also research, casual research assistant roles at the university too. And now I'm working full-time in private practice in uh, Melbourne Southeast, loving it. And also trying to balance that with, you know, a bit of research work, a bit of work for our um, MMRU, which is the Monash Musculoskeletal Research Unit, and just helping out where I can, staying involved. So I've interviewed you for the Monash Musculoskeletal Research Unit podcast, which listeners can find in their feed if they're interested. That's more of research chat. We talked about your um, your journey from a clinician, from a student to a clinician, and what it's like actually doing um, student-led undergraduate research. And so that was a really in interesting chat. So listeners can have a um, we can find that wherever they get their podcast from <laughs> MMRU podcast. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your university life to start off. So um, I'm sure there will be people listening to this who will be really interested to know what you think as a new grad um, physiotherapist now, what you think about your undergraduate training. And full disclosure, everyone, I was one of Brian's lecturers, so <laughs> lecturer in the first year physiotherapy, um, so 
bachelor, the Bachelor of Physiotherapy course at Monash University. And um, so Brian went through four years ago now, and um, now he's out. We can talk freely. But um, yeah. I'm really interested in your perspectives looking back and what you think is the most foundational or fundamental important knowledge that you now use every day in the clinic. Sure. Now, just because you, you are my lecturer, it doesn't mean I'm going <laughs> to, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'll, uh, I'll say good. it as it is. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> undergraduate training. Oh, look, I think that what I really enjoyed going through it was how we do focus a lot on the foundational knowledge at the beginning. And it's quite streamlined as well. You, you go, this is the anatomy. This is how the theory, the joint function and everything to do with the human body matches with it. And you go in that generally in that same week, you go, how do we practically apply that? So that is a great, great foundation that you set up as a theoretical and educational base. You then move on to more clinical placements and you get to tie it in with research as well as part of the undergraduate training. I enjoyed both of them. Um, there are merits to both. And I guess now working full time in private practice and trying to research on the side, I, I've got a better appreciation even more so of why that foundation knowledge is important to hang on to and why it's important to continue learning as well. Think back to your classes that you did in university, so yep. anatomy, physiology. What are some of those classes, some of those lessons, some, some of that content mm -hmm. that you, you would like to, I guess, go over again? And we're always learning throughout our life, but yeah. what is some of, if you could pause time and perhaps go back in time and, and, do a bunch of that again and get really good at it. What would you focus on? That's a that's a really great question. Working clinically, I often think to myself, there's applied anatomy. Um, you need to know what you are looking at and what you are inferring from certain movement because it gives you confidence in identifying, presenting problems, contributing factors, um, gives you confidence in palpation. And then I would also say I'd like to really go over physiology, pharmacology, and taking that holistic care approach to the next level. What would you take from pharmacology, for example? So how, how could that help you now, um, mm. you know, when you're doing an assessment or a management plan or managing yeah, a, yeah. a client with a musculoskeletal problem? Mm. One, this, is, this goes back to one big, big tip, which is you must, must have that holistic mindset and do a great subjective examination whenever you see a patient. Um, with regards to physiology and pharmacology, I've had experiences already within my first year out that you can have the exact same treatment, exact same what you think is the exact same condition, but there can be such different responses depending on medication, depending on past medical history, different operations, previous injuries, um, other chronic conditions, whether it be inflammatory or whatnot. And then you go down to the nitty gritty details, like how are people sleeping well? And it's a bit of a fine art. I'd like to go back and refine my knowledge of pharmacology and go, how does that impact someone's health as a whole? Mm. What can you remember from physiology? 
physiology that you apply <laughs> every day in the clinic. Yeah, you're really testing as a yeah. physio. <laughs> Um, so we get, you know, that's the thing in the foundational yeah. preclinical units mm. of a physio course, we get into the weeds and mm. it's necessary. There's a reason for it. There's nothing that's taught that isn't important. Mm -hmm. And some of it is simply foundational. You need to understand the mechanisms of how things work in order to understand the intervention effect and then to be able to use that intervention. And then somehow you need to be able to go back and um, explain in simple terms something like, soft tissue healing, understanding all that physiology. Exactly. And you go, you breathe in. <laughs> no, I was just going to say. <laughs> That's that. the sign. That's a tell. <laughs> he wants to say something. Physiology-wise, I think it really helps in educating patients on, as you said, healing timeframes, prognosis in particular as well. Um, and then I would also think about Oh, look, on a day-to-day -day basis, I think a lot about, um, this might be a bit of my research background coming in, but neuroplasticity, you know, how how are we changing movement patterns and what am I actually doing? Um, yeah, I think about that a lot, to be honest. <laughs> so go back to anatomy. You mentioned anatomy. Mm -hmm. um, how, do you, how do you think your anatomy knowledge is now mm -hmm. after you've been out on clinics and now you're working as a physio compared to when you were in the thick of it, learning all that specific anatomy, mm -hmm. passing assessments. If you take it as pure knowledge of structures, it has probably diminished a bit. Um, but then that's where you differentiate as anatomy as a gross subject. And then there's applied anatomy where you go, okay, well, what are the important structures? What's actually happening? So I'd say that's improved. Mm. Um, can I give you the exact nerve supply of a tiny little muscle? I like to think I still can, but um, but probably not as refined. As but you'd know where to go to look it up. Yeah, go exactly. To, you've, go got, you've got resources. That's what university was for as well. You know where to look. You know how to self-learn as well. It's not just about the knowledge you learn in the first place. How do you, when you're providing education, Mm -hmm. to a patient it's important of course to every patient every person is different and you know some people really like the details yeah. others not so much and some people in between um, how do you educate people on these foundational fundamental concepts i mentioned soft tissue healing before we're talking about anatomy Someone needs, people do need a basic understanding of the anatomy of their joints. Mm. How much education you give them in that direction is sort of up to you and that's the person, perhaps the amount of time that you have with them. How do you educate your patients about your know, fundamental foundational scientific principles, yeah. anatomy, physiology? I'm, I'm quite practical and resourceful in that regard. Uh, firstly, going back to subjective, you kind of gauge how pathoanatomical someone is. Um, and you, you always ask about goals and expectations. Some people, they will straight out say, I want a diagnosis. I want an action plan. And you go, all right, here it is. Um, I'm resourceful in that you generally got, you've got resources at your clinic, hopefully. You've got your computer, hopefully. And yeah, the beauty of the internet and textbooks is that if you've got the time, I would, I sometimes even flick through and show them this is, this is it. This is what we're working with. I'll bring in a model of say 
you know, a skeletal model of the foot and I'll go, this is what is, I guess, injured. And I wouldn't say you, you spend, you don't, you don't spend lots and lots of time on it, but if they, if they've identified to you that they want to know a little something, then you spend a bit more time and you go, it's, you use the resources you have. You could even, as long as it's a good representation, you could even Google image a picture, a picture of what you're working on and go, this is it. Well, Google is a funny one because it's, it's almost stigmatized. If you just Googled it and clicked on the first thing, I was feeling yeah. lucky. Yes, you could end up with some rubbish, but <laughs> everything is indexed on Google. So yeah. it's actually a search for everything as well. So it's just about being discerning about the source exactly. of your information. Yeah, so that, look, you hit some important points then about actually thinking about the person that you're talking to. Mm. As you, you, it's not about you and, yeah. and demonstrating how much you know. It's about what that person needs to know at that point in time and what they're interested in and what they can take in, what mm -hmm. they're ready for. Yeah, and you actually... For, for people who aren't quite interested, if you begin to talk about it and lecture them, you can actually lose rapport in that regard. Um, it's really, really important to, and that, that's a skill that isn't in the textbook as much. You, you need to be able to gauge personalities. And you need to be able to tread that fine line and go, how much information do I need to give at this session? Maybe if they require more, we can... We can delve deeper as, as needed. So good. Such good advice. Let's talk more about, I don't like so, the word soft skills because it's it almost seems like, well, they're not as important. Let's, let's call them what they are. Let's talk about interpersonal communication skills. So in university, typically um, you have an assignment and it's about reflecting and it's a really important skill. And I think everyone understands or recognises at some level that this is a very important part of it, of life and particularly of a health professional education that you work on your own and you work with clients and you have to, at some stage, reflect on what you're doing and learn. All, you know, even though it's so important, you know, the focus, the, the stuff that's on the surface is often, you know, the anatomy, physiology, physiotherapy, theory and the practical skills and the cases as a new graduate physiotherapist, how do you use what you've learned in university to reflect and learn and improve? So again, really, really great point, Luke, because self-reflection, um, I think we, we learned a few reflective cycles at uni and we did those assignments. One that sticks in my mind is like Gibbs reflective cycle. And it's a matter of after each patient, if you've got the time, especially as a new grad, hopefully you do have the time, Take the time to consider what went well, how to continue that, and then what could be an area of improvement and how to tackle that. Write it down if needed. Um, I actually have a little notebook where I go, okay, what, what went well today? What could I improve on? It's never, you know, what went badly or like, what, what am I bad at? I think that's, you, know, you need to have a bit of a growth mindset and go, okay, well, I did well in these areas. How can I even better this this is really useful it's really useful information that's a really useful tip um, what about other aspects of communication so when you're the difficulty when you're learning with your peers in university is 
say you're practicing an exercise prescription for a a stiff joint or a a weak muscle, well, you know very well that your peer doesn't have a weak muscle and um, their joint isn't stiff unless it is and you're pretending. And then the other difficulty is often there's not a lot of comorbidities and, um, you know, and there's not a, not a lot of other problems that are going on in their life. So things get more complicated when you're working with real patients in the clinic. Mm. And on top of that, there's everyone's different. There's different per, um, personalities and communication styles. So what have you taken from your studies that's helped you be a really good communicator in the clinic? Well, I think number one is during my studies, you get, I got practice with communicating. Um, you know, you get to trial subjective examinations with lots of different peers. That would be one thing I did take away as well. Um, don't, don't just practice with the same person every time you, you only get so much out of it. Um, I, out of that, I took, you need to be able to adapt the way you communicate with people of different backgrounds, cultural, um, and also ethnic. Think about language barriers and just expose yourself to more walks, people of different walks of life. Um, I don't think communication in a healthcare sense has to be limited to being improved in the clinic, if that makes sense. I think the more the more people, this is more life advice, the more people you meet, the more people you talk to and try and manage in life, um, you know, get, get involved at uni, do other things apart from physio as well. Then you learn to communicate better. So important. Um, so you were on that, on the, the topic of doing different things and not just Mm -hmm. doing the one thing. Um, you were the peer assisted, um, study session or pass leader, Yep. one of them for several years at Monash. So what did you learn from teaching other students and how did that improve your own studies and your own practice? Well, I learned that people all have different learning strategies and they all have different um, methods that they like to learn. And I guess I learned how to, one, be resourceful again if I, if the way that I teach isn't exactly the way someone else likes to digest the information, then you got to be quick on your feet and you got to be able to find resources that match them. Um, I also think that it improved my learning because I was able to find different avenues of, you know, whether it's like, oh, here's a shoulder. I like to look at a textbook and see a diagram, but some people want to actually feel the shoulder joint. So now it's not that I prefer one or the other. I just do, I try to vary it as much as I can to learn about something new. And do you do that with your patients as well? Yeah, I'm, I'm always learning because with patients, some of them, you might show them a model and they might go, I don't, I don't really get it. I don't really I get don't it. Think, I don't really think in 3D like that. Yeah, I yeah. I don't read maps. Like I'll, I'll, bring in, I'll bring in a shoulder model and be like, this is X, this is Y, it's moving this way. And they'll go, yeah. And other <laughs> and people go, okay. will see that and, oh, I finally get it. I can exactly, see it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, mm. And then maybe for that person who doesn't quite like the model or doesn't vibe with it, you go, all right, maybe it'll be easier if I get them to feel it themselves. Maybe I palpate the area that we're going through and get them through the movement and go, can you feel that? 
Can you appreciate, is there a difference between left and right? This is exactly where I hope the conversation would go. <laughs> As the first time, you know, it's one of the early episodes of the podcast, first, obviously, first time you've been on it. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to continue this conversation in future episodes if we can find the time to get you on. I think we've what we've done here is just touched the surface of um, a number of foundational skills and areas of knowledge that a clinician um, you know, needs to keep up to date with and um, reflecting back on your you know, experiences from university. Let's just finish up with um, thinking about the future now and thinking about how you plan to progress your knowledge and your skills over the next five to 10 years. And look, you don't have to have a five to 10 year plan or anything mm -hmm. here. I'm just really interested. You're quite organized. You keep a notebook for your reflections in the <laughs> clinic and everyone, if you want to be good, you got to do stuff like this. Um, you're talking to one of the masters of being organized here with Brian. T talk us through your plan. I know you've got a plan for the next you know, five, 10 years. How are you going to progress yourself as a clinician? And where, where do you want to go? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. I do have a plan. I think it's important to have a plan, but then be flexible with it. If yeah. it changes, that's life. At this point, I've got X number of years doing my private practice. Um, I want to get that experience with patients. And then I, within, you know, within the five years, I do want to transition into, can I do a bit more research and teaching as well? But I, I think I always do want a bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. And look, you've got a solid beginning in, you know, all, all three areas of research, education and clinical practice. Um, where can people find out more about you and follow you online? Oh, not, not many places, to be honest, Luke. <laughs> um, That's okay. That'll change as yeah, things go yeah. on. It, it should change. I think I'll, I'll slowly become more active. Um, one place I am on is Twitter. My handle is BrianKimWK. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll retweet bits and bobs about research, evidence, and then some things that aren't so physio-related as well. Um, and, yeah, that, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, and look, that those things can grow over time. And, and I think it's a really wise decision not to do too much early on. Focus yourself in on your um, what you're doing as a new graduate clinician and be really mindful and um, reflective about what you're doing. Um, Look, final question, and it's not about physio. It's about what's in the background behind you. If you're watching ah. this on the Periton Physio <laughs> YouTube channel, you can see Brian's got a guitar behind him on the wall yep. or on a stand. So you're a, you're a musician. Tell us a bit more about that. <laughs> um, oh, that yeah, so that's actually a new guitar I got this year. Um, what what make and model is it for the musicians out there? That's a Taylor GS Mini, um, the mahogany. Um, no, sorry, the rosewood version. Um, yeah, music, yeah, music's always been a part of my life. Um, How many guitars have you got? Probably too many. I, I don't think I need to. No, you can't have too many. Them. You don't sell them though, do you? No. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. It's different from a relationship. You, you sort of, you, you keep yeah, you, the guitar you can, and then you can you have a few, the, yeah, and you the can, next one, right? Yeah, you can have shared love between, between them. <laughs> and don't you play the bass as well? I do play the bass guitar too, yeah. Yeah, great. Um, right, look, th this is where I have to ask you to you know, come on, play the outro music to the podcast. <laughs> we haven't prepared for that, so no, don't know it. Maybe next time. That's <laughs> <Maybe next laughs> right. Time. You don't know it. There isn't any yet. <laughs> That's right. good. Something to do next time. All right. Well, look, let's wrap it up there. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the next 
continuation of this conversation. I'm sure the listeners have found that really valuable. I sure have. Thanks very much, Brian, and speak to you next time. No worries. Thanks, Luke. 